Welcome to Rough Drafts, how God writes his love in our stories, a podcast that explores the faith journeys of our friends and neighbors in Burns, Tennessee. Everyone has a story to tell. And in this podcast, we'll hear powerful and inspiring stories of how God works in the ordinary lives of people like you and me. Our stories are unfinished and perfectly imperfect. They're just rough drafts, a glimpse of what is to come because God is still at work, writing plot twists, introducing new characters, and bringing good even from the most challenging circumstances. Join us as we see what God is up to in our stories. Here's your host, Matthew Hyatt. Friends, today's episode of Rough Drafts is going to be a whole lot of fun. I get to introduce you to one of my CareNet friends. She is a registered nurse. She is mom to the future CEO of CareNet, who brings much joy to our lives. She is the director of development for CareNet, which means she might find you and ask for money or tell you to come to our banquet. She is so much fun. She's written some. She has helped a lot in uh, in her nursing career in hospice. Uh, she said she's come full circle doing CareNet and hospice work. You got to get the whole a whole end of both worlds, I guess. This is my friend, Brittany Hunt. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much. You make me sound so interesting. (laughs) Because you are? Well, thank you. (laughs) We'll we'll see about that. So I guess we met uh, when I came onto the CareNet board, probably, uh, two or three years ago now. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've got to work on some fun projects like the, the, the banquet and Women of Life and mail outs to churches. Yes. And you haven't stabbed me yet. Absolutely not. Well, give it time. <laughs> give it time. Well, Brittany, thanks so much for coming. Um, the question I wanted to ask you is the question I ask everybody. What's your God story? What's my God story? It's um, it's incredible. It's, it's kind of funny. Um, this past week, I was speaking at a women's conference in Missouri. And when I'm kind of telling my story, I feel like I have like three different lifetimes of a person. So um, so I guess I'll just start with um, when I was little, I was born in Ohio and um, we attended my grandfather's church, a lot of ministers in my family. And so a lot of my first memories were just growing up in the church, sitting in the church pew, you know, with my great grandparents and grandparents. And, um, and then when we, when I was about uh, five, we started, my dad started traveling, preaching, and we would sing and our, as a family, my brother and uh, my mother and I. And so we started traveling. And then when I was about eight, we, um, we went to Indiana to a, a little church there to minister. And we found out that a church um, close by was looking for a pastor. Um, so long story short, my dad ended up taking that pastorate. And so we moved, all of our family was in Ohio, so we moved to Indiana, uh, where my dad took the pastorate there, and um, he's, we basically um, stayed there. I grew up there in Indiana as a pastor's kid. I was not a wild one. <laughs> I was going to ask. <laughs> a lot, some of them are, <laughs> but no, I was, I was a really um, conservative type, you know, just had good grades, didn't get in trouble. I was really an old soul. I still am. Like, if you come to my office, you'll probably hear Doris Day or Lawrence Welk. Very um, old school, and I always have been kind of um, into all of that. So growing up, I was just kind of, I really viewed myself as kind of boring. Um, But 
I loved the Lord, just grew up in the church, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life per se, but that I just loved God, wanted to serve in the ministry in some capacity, just because that's what I knew. My grandmother was a pastor's wife. My mother was. Um, and so I ended up, um, when I graduated high school, I went off to Missouri to Bible college. Oh, where at? And Joplin. The school is actually still not, it's not there anymore, but... Um, you killed the school. <laughs> yeah. What have you done? <laughs> it just, yeah, I ruined it. Um, but anyways, I was studying biblical studies and um, as my major, and I minored in missions. I guess I kind of thought, um, growing up, I had heard about like Amy Carmichael and what she did with the orphans, and yeah. I'm cool with that, Lord. Like, send me to India or wherever. And I'll do, you know, whatever you want me to do. And I, you know, kind of always had dreamed about being married and having kids and being a wife. You know, I thought being a mother and a wife was the highest calling. Still do. I think it's a, it's a beautiful, a beautiful thing. And so um, I thought, well, I'll go off to Bible college and just see what the Lord does. And so um like around probably year two, I met a fellow minister there. We ended up getting married. And um, shortly after, sin kind of entered and destroyed our marriage. And so I was absolutely devastated. Um, life just kind of tur- took this huge turn <laughs> that yeah. I was not expecting. Um, I was young, naive, very young. I mean, I'm in my early 20s. Um, and I was like, what now, Lord? Like, <laughs> my life is over, ruined. Like, um, and so, yes. I'm just grateful you're still asking God the questions because at that moment when, you know, you come from that world, it's really easy yeah. for it to be, God, this is the thanks I get. Peace out, you know? Yeah. I Yeah, I never... I didn't go down that route, and I just, I don't know, I just credit that to the Lord's grace in yeah. my life. Um, I just felt so desperate, I think, that I ne- knew I needed Him to help me through it with my broken heart, really. Um, so I then spent the next several years, I worked at a factory at nighttime, and that, that's a long story how I ended up at that job, but um, my husband at the time wanted me to take that job we were going to be moving out to utah to plant a church i mean we had all these plans and i was just supposed to be at this factory for a very short amount of time and i ended up after you know when i got divorced i had to have the job right and so um long story short i worked for years six years at this factory working night shift and then i put myself through school during the day and it was those were dark days (laughs) Yeah, I would say. <laughs> Physically, they were, I mean, it was exhausting, um, truly exhausting. I was, there were some times when I was sleeping an hour or two during the day, um, especially when I got into the heavier classes, like the anatomy and physiology and all so of that. This is nursing school. So, yes, I had to finish um, all my Bible college credits that um, I, a ton of them transferred, but um I still had to get a few prerequisites left, and then I had to take some, you know, the sciences and everything, and then start the nursing program, yes. So um, I continued to work at the factory until for um, my 
last part of the nursing program, I couldn't because of my clinicals. And so I had worked like double shifts trying to pay off my car. So I didn't have a car payment because I was pretty much living in my car a lot of the time, like just going back and forth from school and work. I would take my naps in my car. And so um, it was exhausting, but by the Lord's grace. And and I could tell so many um, stories about how the Lord sustained me and um, specifically... um, I am a huge believer that he sends people into our lives at the exact right time that we need them. And he has always done that for me. And and that happened for me during that time. Um, A sweet lady um, that we just visited with actually last week. Um, Love her so much, but she was a godsend um, to me during that time, just an encouragement. So um, I finally graduated nursing school. Yay. Yay. I'm like almost 30 at this point. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I am so far behind. everybody else but um so I graduated and uh moved to Tennessee and uh eventually uh, met my husband we were married in 2016 and then um I'll kind of fast forward to in 2018 um on my birthday actually October 29th of 2018 I took a pregnancy test and I was expecting my first child Ta-da! And I was so excited because I had lost so much, you know, so so many hopes and dreams, that, yeah. you know, when I was when I was in my twenties and and I was single for a very long time after that because I thought uh, this is you know not for me <laughs> again. And um, but here I am, pregnant, and I'm thinking, wow, God is finally fulfilling. A desire that he had placed in my heart, you know, to be a mom. And so um, all was going well with the pregnancy. And then in um, February, February 7th, I had a, net, a 20-week anatomy scan where we would find out the gender of the baby. And then just, you know, that was to make sure the baby didn't have spina bifida or whatever. And so um Long story short, I could I could tell again how the, the Lord specifically did things in my heart that even that morning. But um, we get to the to the ultrasound, and um, basically, she tells me it's a girl. You know, within a few minutes of scanning, and my tears are just flowing. I was like, "Yes, not only is my first child coming, but it's a girl, a mini me. Lord help us." <laughs> Like, we need another me. But, um, you know, you just immediately start, oh, what's, you know, what's her name going to be? I'm going to, you know, be able to dress her in little cute little outfits, you know, all the things. And um, and then within very shortly after, and I'm a nurse, right? So, like, I'm pretty observant of medical professionals and what they're doing. And um, But I could tell by the way that she, her face expressions were and by the way that she was scanning um, that something wasn't right. And so, and I had been like kind of nervous that morning, just thinking, oh, you know, what if the baby does have spina bifida and then I'm going down the medical route, like they can do amazing things. They can even do surgeries in the womb. So I was just like, okay, Lord, it's going to be okay. Whatever, whatever is going on here, um, it's going to be all right. And just, you know, um, listened to a song that became a pivotal song in my life during that time. Um, but 
basically, um, she tells me to get up and get dressed, and I, I could just tell that she was going to be giving me some bad news. And so she um, said, I'll be back. And sure enough, here she comes back with the doctor. And the doctor came in and said, um, I am so sorry, but your baby has anencephaly. And I knew immediately like what that meant. Um, and it's a neural tube defect, which is kind of like spina bifida, but the opposite end, it affects the brain where um, her brain wasn't developing like it should. And so, um, and basically these, these babies um, may die in the womb, but if they make it full term, they um, live for just usually hours. There have been some who have, who have lived a little bit longer, but um, it's a fatal condition. Anyway, there's no surgery, no, no cure, nothing. I mean, it's fatal. And so, and so when she told you, this is what this is, you knew those things. I did. I didn't know just from, just from being a nurse, like I knew about different medical conditions that, that babies could have. But I, I guess I didn't know, like at that moment, I didn't know what that meant for me, you know, cause I knew there would be probably some type of side effects or complications that I may have, yeah. but I wasn't even thinking about all that at the time. It was just like what is she going to have to endure? What type of, you know, I, I think my first concern was, okay, I know that her brain isn't developing like it should, but what does that mean as far as suffering? <laughs> it was right. where my mind went, like yeah. is, you know, and. What is her experience? Yes. Um, wasn't thinking about myself at all. How do I help her now? And, um, but I was just, I was in shock, like total shock. Yeah. But. Um, she said it like three more times. I'm so sorry. And, you know, said, take as much time as you need in the room. And I just thanked her, but I just sat there in shock, like this isn't happening. And I remember the, the room was dim, but it went even more dim. Yeah. It just closed in. And I thought it felt like living in a, some type of nightmare dream, whatever, like this isn't real. Um, and then I just started to weep. And I was like, really? I mean, just minutes before I'm having all these hopes and dreams about, you know, what I'm going to be able to do with my little girl. And now it is already over and I'm not even out of the ultrasound room. And so um, anyways, we it, it ended up being... I mean, I could, we could have a podcast for three, four hours about all the stories. I mean, I don't have to want it to be, so you, you do you. But um, to, make, to make it as condensed as possible, I basically, you know, for the next, this was, I was five months along at this point, 20 weeks. And so for the next, however long that she was going to survive, I knew that my daughter that I was carrying in my womb and already feeling her kicking and moving is, is going to so, die. So she's kicking. She's. Mm -hmm. And wow. so that was like, and I had some heavy conversations with the Lord, like even on the way home. Um, I am like one of the most compassionate people I know. Like I hurt for people so deeply and I, and I recognize that about myself and have to be careful. I don't do that in an unhealthy manner, right, boundaries. but yeah. Um, but I, you know, at the time I was so passionate about geriatric nursing and my patients and, you know, hospice patients and, 
Um, like I chased literally when I worked at the factory every night, I'd look at the paper, the newspaper would be in the break room and I would look at the stray animals that families are looking for and like the lost and found. And I would like drive around sometimes looking for them because I was just, I, I just hurt so deeply for the helpless and, you know, people who need help and, um, picking up the turtles in the road. Like that is, that is the way God has created me. And I'm like, really God, like you're, you're asking me to now carry this baby that uh, I can't do anything to help her. And there's nothing I can do. And I would, you know, I had some prayers, Lord, take my life and exchange it for hers, fix her and I'll go home. Or if she's going to go home, let's just take me to like, you know, because I'm, I'm good with that. Like I'm, I, I want to be with you, Lord, but this is unimaginable in my heart, um, to, to have to endure this. And, um, but I, I trusted the Lord and I just, I just knew from that very day and, and on the way home, actually, I, I talk about this a lot when I'm talking about the experience, but it's so true. We were driving home and I was sitting in the car having these thoughts and conversations and I'm not saying anything, but tears are just flowing and I'm like talking to the Lord. And it was like all of the sudden a spotlight from the sky fell down on me and it felt some like a supernatural experience, but I, it, I am not one to like to be the center of attention or like in the spotlight. But I was like, everybody is going to be thinking about this now. And I mean, I had text messages waiting from people guessing the gender, like that everyone was oh, so exciting. I yeah, because oh, I hadn't yeah. said anything at this point because I had an OB appointment right after the um, ultrasound. Right. So. Um, so everybody's thinking. So, yeah. Get a text. If it's a boy. Nobody knows. Yeah. Nobody knows what had happened be- for hours. And. I, I had zero communication with anyone. You just kind of had to go radio silent for a while. Yeah, I mean, I had to go to that OB appointment, and my sweet nurse practitioner at the time, precious gal, um, ended up praying this just beautiful prayer of comfort with me. And even that was devastating for me because when I got escorted into the OB office afterwards, I got taken to a counseling room off to the side instead of the normal, you know, exam room. So even those, that was like the first moment. Everything has changed. This this is is no longer care. This is. Yeah. It's like, this is wow. And so, um, and she actually told me, you know, I was going to have to see specialists now, which I would still see them. But I mean, so much had changed now. I was going to have to be going to Vanderbilt to the specialists. And it's like, wow, like it was so much information. But um, anyways, in the car, the spotlight falls on me and I'm like. This is everybody's, how do I respond, first of all? Um, you know, I'm going to need to say what the gender is, but how do how do you say my baby is dying, you know? Um, and what words am I going to say? And so um, just thinking through that and my relationship with the Lord, it was like, man, how I handle this? starts like right now how my how my attitude is how I how I I had friends that I worked with that I knew didn't know the Lord and people you know who don't have a relationship with God how do I respond to this 
deep, dark trial to where they don't um, get bitter towards God for me, you know. Um, And so it really was months and, I mean, five, almost six more months. Well, yeah, five more months of um, just walking through that. Like, how do I... So how did you respond to the text messages? Well, um, at first, I... My my instinct would be take the phone out and drive over it with a car and go <laughs> live in a cave the rest of my life. Like, you know, yeah. I, I feel some major avoidant tendencies coming out just yeah. hearing this. I, um, to my... I had a group text, a constant one going on with my nursing friends. And so I knew they would understand medical stuff. And so I remember, um, you know, telling them that it was a girl and that um, what her condition was, because I knew, you know, they could understand that. I didn't have to explain anything. But um, as far as family went, we just made some phone calls that day. Um, And really, it was just to our parents. And... um, I, after that initial call telling them, I actually spent the next three days in like complete silence. I was in my house and I um, cried a lot, but I, I put my earbuds in and for three days, like even when I was sleeping, I had music or scripture constantly playing because I thought my heart is going to literally fail me. I really thought that it was going to, like it felt the day, you know, as I'm walking out of the ultrasound building, I thought that my heart was physically, it felt like in a million pieces shattered and my chest hurt. And I really thought I, my heart is going to give out in grief. Um, But again, I was just talking to the Lord the entire time. And I was like, first of all, I know nobody who has gone through what I've gone through. Um, miscarriages are, are so different, you know, because that person doesn't get to, to know, you know, it just happens. I felt like I don't, I don't even understand what that, how awful that would feel like. So I felt like, you know, I knew ladies who have had loss, but not in the manner that I was fixing to walk through, you know, five more months of... But even the miscarriage loss, um, you and I have talked about this before. Yeah. We we don't do well with that. It Sometimes we, if we try to pretend like it didn't happen, we don't talk about it. Correct. You know, we have this, this unwritten rule. You don't tell people you're pregnant too early because what if? Right. Which goes against all the things we say we believe in. Right. And correct. And I am like, when you look at me... There's no hiding. I mean, people throughout the rest of my pregnancy, you get complete strangers walking up. So you Walmart or come yes. up to rub your belly. And they say, oh, when are you due? How exciting. And I literally, every time I was out of the house for those months, I was I was faced with, they have no idea that the date that I'm giving them that I'm due is likely, if she lives, you know, to be full term, that that's the day that she will go home to be with the Lord. And so it was really, truly this, um, don't cry, Matthew, because <laughs> I have told myself I'm not going to cry. It's okay if you do. <sighs> um, I just can't imagine walking through Walmart yeah. and having to answer that question every time. Yeah, it was it was life-changing for me because it really, um, and, and then, of course, the compassionate soul in me, 
you know, when you when you do say it, you have to be mindful of how much you're going to share to complete strangers. Yeah. And if they continued to ask questions and then I had to eventually, you know, say <laughs> what was going on or, or however the conversation would go. Or you could trip them. Yeah. They would feel so bad. And yeah. then I would feel bad for them and want to comfort them, you know, and it's like this. You have to you have to. Just be, I guess, discerning of when, you know, and there were times when the Lord used it in the middle of a grocery store to help someone. And that is one of the most important things about my story is just how when you're going through a dark trial and like scripture talks about comforting others with the comfort that we've been given and how when you are helping others and even in your own broken state, the Lord, he spreads his healing balm over your heart as you reach out to others. And I I found that over and over. And so it almost became um, a mission yeah. to minister to others because it. I knew the Lord was ministering to me at that same time. But what was interesting about my story and what I totally didn't expect to happen. But we haven't gotten to the interesting part yet. <laughs> Not really. Um, probably the most um, unexpected thing that came out of all of this was I, during this time, you know, of course I had messages coming from all over the place. And when I finally shared it on social media, you know, because I had maternity pictures out there and I wasn't super, you know, um, I was pretty private and wasn't um, really open to putting a lot of my like personal thoughts on social media. But I was like, wow, okay, now at some point I'm going to need to put something on there. And, you know, I had hundreds, probably uh, maybe over a thousand friends, you know, who are not really friends. Acquaintances through the years, school, high school, all the way up through college, family, everybody. And so I'm like, you know, that's even going to be more attention (laughs) You know, that's coming this way. But what interestingly happened was um, I kind of met this um, interesting dynamic of people who just felt like basically Satan was in control of my life. And this was his his doing and that um, and it and it was not ill-intentioned a lot of these people were very um religious people and yeah so um but it was so interesting because from the moment that I was given the diagnosis I was like okay Lord this is the first time in my life you are taking you are allowing something to come into my life that I know desperately that I need you to help me and so from that moment, I'm like, the Lord is all I have. And I, and again, I didn't really have anybody in my life that could really truly understand. So I, I was like, this is me and you, Lord. You know, not that there weren't people being supportive in my life, but I'm just saying like only, I felt like only God could truly know and understand me. And so um, I just hit this interesting dynamic of, of people starting to make comments on my social media And I deleted a lot of comments that started coming through because I thought, okay, I have a wide range of people reading those things, and a lot of them don't know the Lord. 
And I don't want anyone to think that Satan's just allowed to wreak havoc in my life without God's permission. Yeah. It's just like Job. Yeah. Satan had, had to ask permission. At, the Lord holds me in his hands and sifts every trial and everything that comes my way. And so God didn't leave me. He promises to never forsake me. Um, so I can't live. Um, I believe it was Spurgeon that said, um, we rest our head basically on the pillow of God's sovereignty. Yeah. <laughs> like that's how we sleep at night is to know that thing of his this week where it was, he, he learned to, to kiss the waves that dashed him against yes. the rocks of his self-sufficiency yes. or something like that. I mean, how do you, I can't, I can't live this life of sorrows because that's what it is. Life is hard and we all face sickness, death, losing. I mean, we're all on the path to death. Yeah. So I can't live this life of heartbreak. I mean, I'm driving down the road and I hit a bird and I like have to pull over and cry over it because I'm just like, I am done with death and sickness in yeah. this life. Um, but yeah, it was just, um, it was just this really interesting spiritual dynamic that happened where I now am having to like feel like I'm combating bad theology, I guess. <laughs> and, but it was for the sake of, okay, I don't want people reading these comments to think that something's wrong with God or he's weak and his hands are tied because the devil gets to be God. Like God is... God is weak, Satan sovereign. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> and so that dynamic was happening, but also I started having, 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 sorry, having, I started having women reach out to me that were silently suffering and no one knew. One, one girl told me, I haven't told anyone in my family and she had had a loss. And so I'm, I'm also looking at it through the lens of what does this say to women who have men and women who have lost children, like if they would have just had a little more belief or faith in God that they wouldn't have miscarried or, um, and that was a lot of it, you know, women who had miscarried. And so, and some just struggling in their faith with loss of different loved ones. And so, again, that fueled the fire in me to um, speak truth and so it really became those next several months of just fighting for their behalf, like the women who are hurting, but also, you know, people who had relationships with the Lord. And I felt like they maybe had a misunderstanding yeah. of trials and what they're for and in God's providence and goodness. Um during this time, I started listening to a lady, and she was a um, women's Bible study um, teacher, and she had, like, the entire New Testament memorized and was working, like, getting ready to work on the New Old Testament. And I was like, I, I happened, I was at work again. I was, I had my earbuds in all the time listening to scripture, songs, anything to point me to comfort in God, because I thought, I cannot let my thoughts have free reign in my life right now. Yeah. It would bring me to despair. And so I um, was at work one night and I started, I was listening to a YouTube sermon and this 
um, minister, he mentioned her. Um, and so that's how I found out about her. And so long story short, I started listening and it was just so comforting to hear. And this was probably just a few weeks after her diagnosis. And, um, so I ended up, um, messaging her, which I don't normally do. I don't message strangers I hear about on the internet, but I messaged her and I said, Hey, I just want you to know I was at work late, you know, doing work, but also listening to her. And I just listened over and over to different, um, teachings that she had. And, um, it was so wonderful and comforting. And it was just the word of God that, um, brought comfort. And, um, so I messaged her. I said, Hey, I just want you to know, um, your, your ministry has been such a blessing. I briefly mentioned what I was walking through and, you know, um, she messaged back, said, um, thank you so much. And I didn't expect a response at all. Yeah. But then she said, hey, I'm going to be speaking at a, a women's conference in a few weeks in Maryville, Tennessee. And so I ended up at almost six months pregnant. I drove there. Um, I didn't ever message. I just said, thank you. I'll look into it. But I didn't let her know I was going. But I went to that conference and um, I really didn't expect like I did not want to walk in and and tell anybody. I just wanted to be like the stranger who came and just not have people feel sorry for me. And um, so I went in and sat in the back. I grabbed my registration thing, sat in the back. And I guess the the gal who um, ran the conference had told them that someone had come from a long way or whatever. And and they found out it was me. So the the music started, and as they started walking up to the front, um, the lady and her traveling companion, they stopped by me, and I did, which was so shocking because I didn't think they knew who I was, or yeah. I had planned on maybe at one point hugging her and saying, "Hey, I sent you an email. You're a blessing. Goodbye." Like, yeah. and so, but they grabbed a hold of me and they hugged me and they just said, "We have." we have been praying for you and our whole church has been praying for you. Wow. And it was like, you know, when, you know, when it's genuine, like, you know, you can tell when people are genuine and they've really truly been interceding for you. And so, um, long story short, they were such a blessing to me throughout that entire period of those months. But, um, a week later after the conference, I got a, a card in the mail from, from her and it said, we are looking forward to how God is going to use you in this trial. And it was so huge because so many messages were, this is not God's will, or you've got to fight this. You've got to pray it away. You've got to have enough faith um, for your your baby's healing. And I had someone say, "You, God is with you, and he is going to use you. And that brought me so much comfort. And yeah. just the, the theme of the conference happened to be trials. Oh, no. And their purpose. Wow. And First Peter actually brought it, First Peter 4.19, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Yeah. And I came away from that conference even more inspired and determined, okay, when when Job says, when he has tried me, I will come forth as gold. 
I can either come out of this trial like scorched, burnt, and crispy, or I can come through this refined and as gold. And it all hinges on, do I trust the Lord or not? And so I just determined, okay, God, I'm going to take you at at your word. You promised you would keep me in perfect peace if I stayed my mind on you. And so I'm going to do that 24-7 and keep scripture and hymns and whatever in my ears. And I'm at work, literally, with my hair down over my ears, with my earbuds in. having I'm having conversations in the hall with people, and they have no idea I have music or scripture lowly playing in my ears at all times. And when I'm asleep, I'm listening to God's word. Because if I didn't have it, I had no no hope. Yeah, I had nothing. How do you, how do you carry a child in your womb that you can feel kicking, and feel hopeful? You can't unless you have a hope of seeing them again. Yeah. And so that's what I stuck to, and I again I could tell so many stories about the goodness of the Lord, and how He carried me through um, that time. But basically, there were so many moments where, again, the Lord had placed exactly what I needed, who I needed at the right time. And um, June 27th, my precious little girl uh, was born, and I named her Charis, which um, in the Greek New Testament, it means grace. Mm -hmm. And to me, how do you name? I struggled with her name for so long. I was like, how do I? name my dying child (laughs) yeah there's not a section in the baby book no there's not and i wanted so much for her name to mean something even you know even if she didn't have that condition i've always dreamed about having a very meaningful name you know for my baby um but how do you how do you name this and that's the only thing i could come up with because i can't imagine um burying my child without knowing that there's a grace in my life that allows me to be reunited with her again and so i kind of hinged that on her name will be grace because it points me to the grace of god that washes my sins away yeah but it gives me that hope of um, seeing her again. And and that's really the only, it got so desperate for me during that time. That was the only hope I had was um, focusing. I had to take my mind off myself in my pain. And I totally threw it at Jesus Christ who had suffered way more than I can imagine. But he carried my sorrows and my sins and um, he understands. Isaiah 53, one of my most favorite <laughs> scriptures pointing me to what he has done. And I actually ended up having that read. Um, my sweet um, doula, who you know, Jennifer, yeah. she read scripture for me while I was giving birth. Um, but I had her read um, that passage because I can't push my baby out of my womb into eternity without having some type of pointing me to the cross of Christ, which makes it okay. And so I 
I threw myself at the foot of the cross for the entirety of um, the rest of that pregnancy. And that should be my life. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like it yeah. should be, it shouldn't take something so desperate for us to be that desperate for for the Lord. But um, it it really did push me so deep and closer to him. And Elizabeth Elliot talks about how, you know, um, the the ones who go through the deepest waters are the ones who usually have they have the deepest relationships, but it takes those deep waters. And I thought, okay, that's what the Lord's that's what the Lord's doing and that's what he did. I the the precious things that he taught me I would have never learned had um this not happened in my life. Um so I'm I'm so thankful. I miss my baby so much. I miss my daughter. Um, and there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about her every single day. And I'm sure all women feel that way about the loss in their life and men. I think we sometimes focus just on the, the women, but it very much affects men as well. And so, you know, I miss her terribly, but I, I have a um, promise and a deep abiding joy in the Lord, which is why when he blessed me with a baby girl again um, in 2021, that um, her name was Joy, which was Kara, which was the root of Karis. And like, I, I have a deep abiding joy. My children's names remind me that because of the grace of God, I have a deep abiding joy in the Lord that is not happiness. It's not dependent on circumstances, um, because if it is, it's not joy. It's joy is um, a deep abiding rest of our souls in what He has done, and so um, that is the story of what the Lord has done. And I feel it's so condensed, and I could share so much, but um, but my story is the goodness of the Lord. It has nothing to do with me going through it well or like I think you know some some people have said well I can only hope I have as much faith in God if I were to walk through that and I'm like but that's the point like um it's in our weaknesses that his strength is seen and that's how I felt I felt the weakest I've ever been in my life and it was the Lord's strength that carried me and so I don't feel like there was anything special or strong or I was just you know thrown at his mercy and he he proved that his words were true and that he would keep me in peace in the deepest darkest trial of my life and he I stayed my mind on him and he kept his promise to keep me in peace so there it is (laughs) I, I just have to disagree with you on one point. Okay. There is something incredibly special about you and your role in this story. Mm. Um, I know this is all about him and his work in you, mm-hmm. um, but not every vessel is willing to accept his gifts and not every vessel chooses to look to him. Um, and in ministry, unfortunately, I've seen families who have walked through, quote, easier trials, not that trials can be compared crumble and fall because they didn't look to him 
And so um, you are special. Mm. And I've never sat and listened to a story quite like this one. Mm. Um, I, I have so many questions. Like I, I want to be here for the rest of the day. <laughs> um, was there an idea from scripture or a song in those times? You know, you're listening to it all day long. You talked about your three days locked at home. Mm-hmm. In, in silence. Was there a song or a scripture or, or an idea that was particularly helpful to you? That day yeah. it began. Um, that morning of her scan, I was usually when I'm getting ready, I would play music. And it just depend, depended on how I felt that morning. Do I want something upbeat? Do I want some 70s? Do I want some Doris today? Do I want some whatever it may be? Um, but I was just feeling I couldn't put my finger on it was I nervous about the anatomy scan part because the nurse in me is thinking all this medical stuff or was I nervous about the gender is it a boy is it a girl um I just couldn't place my finger on it and so I started playing a CD that um my sweet friend that I mentioned who had um the Lord sent her into my life when I went through my divorce. She, um, we would exchange music back a lot. She is one of the most beautiful pianists you will have ever heard in your life. She, um, interestingly, she would um, crawl under a table if she knew I was talking about her. Um, But she was Miss America in 1968. Oh, how cool. Yeah, incredible woman, but. um, So now we're all gonna go pause the show and Google her (laughs) to find out who this is. Yes, again, but she is the most godly woman probably I know and humble but it's her life that she lives it's not um anything and everyone who knows her would say these same things about her but um I again it was the Lord that she had even sent me this CD um and man mind you that I've I've been years now away from her you know she's still in Missouri I'm I'm in, you know, Tennessee. So I turn on this music um, that she had sent me, and this song started playing, All Your Promises Are True. And I just started playing it over and over again because I, um, there was just something about it. It was like, wow, Lord, I need this today for some reason. And so I put it on repeat. I'm one of those weirdos. Like if I really like a song, I may listen to it for like forever. Yeah. And so I put it on repeat and um, there's just so much about the song that's a blessing. But um, when the new day begins, Lord, your mercies are new again. How my heart overflows with thanks to my King. When the night closes in, I'm so faithful. You are my friend. You said that you'd never leave. And Lord, I believe, Lord, I believe all your promises are true. Um, And it just goes on. One part talks about um, when my heart starts to fail, Lord, your strength will prevail. And all you have said you will do. Your promises are true. And that so that was what I was going into the ultrasound in my mind with, you know, I had listened to it all morning and. But then it left my mind completely because, you know, new moment, new time. Right. Um, But after I received the news and I'm, you know, devastated, heartbroken, all the things, I was going to have to get up out of the room and pull myself together 
um, to be able to go to my next appointment. And I felt like all the air had been sucked out of my lungs. My heart was shattered, all the things. And so I remember we opened the door to leave and the ultrasound tech was standing there and I could just see on her face that she had been upset for us. And so I, I said, thank you, you know, so much. And that's all I could say. Um, but we locked eyes and it was like, she was expressing every condolence that she could send to me. But then off in the distance, I could see in the waiting area, all these sweet pregnant women are sitting there. And I'm like, I cannot you know, as a nurse, you you have a dying patient in one room, and then you have to go help your knee replacement person in the next room, and they're mad because you've not been there right when you should have been. Their ice chips were two minutes late. Yes, and so you have to put on the face and do the things. Mm. And so that's kind of was like I'm having this moment, like how do I not like look like I'm totally visibly distraught for these women because I don't want to scare them. Um, but it was obvious I had been weeping, you know. And so it just in that moment, it was like panic. Like, what do I do? And how do I even walk? I mean, I felt just like I I couldn't even, couldn't breathe, could barely, how do I get my legs moving <laughs> to walk through the, this out to out to the car? And that song immediately came to my mind. When my heart starts to fail, Lord, your strength will prevail. All your promises are true. And I was like, I knew it wasn't from me because when it popped in my head, I was like, That's n- that wasn't my first thought. But it was to me, it was the Holy Spirit reminding me that he was with me in that moment. The Lord is with me. And... That was, I mean, literally within minutes of receiving her diagnosis, the Lord proved to me that he was with me. And again, I, I'm just a huge believer that it's not from me. It was it was him and his doing from the, from the moment that, you know, I knew I was going to be walking through this trial. I was very, very much aware, aware that I needed him and his help. And he responded. And he was there. So that was the first day, the song. But, I mean, of course, there were many scriptures that were a a comfort to me. Um, But the promises of staying my mind on him and that he would give me peace, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. That was the huge thing. With thanksgiving and the hard words in that verse. And... That was huge for me because how do you be thankful? Yeah. And that, again, came from getting my mind off myself. What can I be thankful for? And most importantly, um, one of the things I wrote about during that time, I wrote a lot. But one of the things I wrote about was sitting at an ultrasound, looking at my, I was at the specialist, um, Vanderbilt looking at the little ultrasound of her little precious hands. And I'm sitting there and constantly, you know, just talking to the Lord all the time about this. And my mind threw me back to a children's ward at a hospital in Honduras. And this mama, 
I mean, there were several experiences there that just pierced me to the soul. But this mama, you know, is her baby has hydrocephaly, which, you know, um, needed the shunts and all the things and um, no pillowcase on this dirty, dirty bed, dirty pillow. So she had put his little T-shirt over, which was bloody and crusty blood over the pillow you know, a few minutes later, I ended up, I was actually dressed as a clown. <laughs> <laughs> so back in the day, I also did balloon animals. <laughs> I, I feel like so. like the recording just glitched and we entered another <laughs> another podcast episode. So. It's a little whiplash you just gave me. <laughs> So I'm literally trying to bring joy to these children, right? And I'm like making balloon animals for them. And, you know, I end up in this room all alone with this little girl. At, she's at the very far end of the room. Nobody's in there. She's all by herself. She had been burned and she was all wrapped up. Her face was wrapped up and I could see her little eyes, her brown eyes filled with pain, little tears. And I... I was sitting at Vanderbilt Hospital. After my ultrasounds, they would take me to a special room that was, I was so comfortable. All these snacks offered to me. Um, I had an entire team of specialists who started meeting with us to talk about, you know, I, I was having um, excess fluid which was an expected side effect of of her condition so they were monitoring that and I'm like I have this entire team of people helping me and they gave me this white bear with my baby's ultrasound or her heartbeat in it I mean I can be thankful that I have an entire team of specialists looking out for my baby who's not born and who you know are worried about her comfort I was that was my big thing. You know, I want her to be comfortable when she passes. So what does that look like? And I have this entire team working on my comfort and my child's comfort and this poor mama, you know. Yeah. So I I can find something to be thankful for. And again, the Lord threw my mind back to that children's word in Honduras. It was not something that I would have naturally come up with. He, as I'm sitting there looking at her little hands, he, through the work of the Holy Spirit, (laughs) sends me back. And that's the comfort that he gave me, was that I can be thankful. And, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus because you're thankful. In, in all things. So, scripture, songs, um, it truly is life-giving and life and life-sustaining and life-changing. And I, I believe it's a comfort. Absolutely. Balloon animals, though. Balloon animals. 
I know, right? It's another aspect of my extremely interesting life. I mean, where was that when I was writing your intro? (laughs) I was really good at a parrot in a swing. I've perfected that. Can you still do it? I don't know. It's been years. Well, I have a balloon in my day. Just kidding. (laughs) I didn't come that prepared for this. Okay, so one more question, uh-huh. um, and yeah. this this comes from uh, the word that I keep getting from what you've talked about today is the word perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, just looking at things with perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so you work for CareNet. Yes. And CareNet exists to reduce the lives lost to and harm caused by abortion to help moms and dads make better choices, to love on people. Right. I should probably get the mission and vision memorized, but, you know, it's close enough. Um, what you have experienced has given you unique perspective. Mm-hmm. This question may not be fair. Um, does what you've experienced ever make it hard to empathize with someone you feel like is making a bad choice? I would love to answer that question because, um, so the day she was diagnosed, I then went to the o- my OB appointment and she she told me after she prayed that sweet prayer of comfort with me she said um you're now going to have to see specialists and I want you to know that they're probably going to encourage you to abort the baby and it was just so shocking because I just never imagined those words being spoken to me in my life over my baby and um, again, just from my upbringing and, and everything. And so um, I, when I went to that first specialist appointment, it was true. He, um, he, it, the Lord, again, gave me some type of supernatural ability to have a, just a, a really great conversation with him that was medically focused and I wasn't an emotional wreck I was able to you know um discuss and he could very I think it actually shocked him a little bit um but I was firm with him you know I was like no that is that's not an option um I believe the Lord will uh, allow her heart to beat as long as it's supposed to you know beat um and so but in that moment, having a specialist look at me and say, you know, there's basically no reason for you to keep this baby. We know this baby's going to die. Just do it now, basically, versus go through months of waiting for the inevitable. And it actually gave me a compassion in my heart for for these women who maybe I felt so blessed because I had the comfort of the Lord in my life to carry me through this moment. But a lot of these women are faced with a pregnancy decision and all the voices that they hear, it'd be best for you to abort this baby. And so really, um, for the first time in my life, I had a compassion that I I've always had a compassionate heart for women and their struggles, but it was like it deeply burned in me for women who have no support and they have no one to encourage them. And so my focus in my life was always geriatric people. I love me some geriatrics, but 
um, after after she passed away, and um, I had some medical conditions that happened because of the birth, and so I had I had a period of having to go through um, some physical therapy and stuff. But um, after that, I actually reached out to CareNet because I was praying for months, like God, what do I do with what just happened to me? What am I supposed to do with this experience? I know I'm supposed to do something, but I don't know what it is. And I didn't know anybody at the pregnancy center. And pregnancy stuff, I did not. When I went through my OB clinicals, I'm like, nah, not yeah. for me. <laughs> like, like, no, I'm sticking with my geriatrics. And um, I like my old people. Yes, Thank you very much. You bet. It. And uh, so here I am reaching out to a pregnancy center. And I, in my heart, I thought, I just, if I can be a blessing to, if I can just stuff envelopes or even just be a blessing to the women at the center who are doing the work, I can do that. I can sweep, I can clean, I can whatever. But I just felt like I was supposed to contact them and get involved. And I didn't, again, I didn't know anybody. Um, So... The rest is history yeah. with that because, you know, not only did I start volunteering there, I have met the most incredible group of women. There's some amazing people up there. At CareNet. And Marguerite, too. Yes. <laughs> but, I mean, I have, they have changed my life. And it's, it's again, the goodness of the Lord bringing people into my life exactly when I need them. And I can't imagine my life without these women now and the the even bigger blessing to that is um so I've started volunteering as a nurse there um I didn't even know that they needed nurses I just thought it would be you know office work or whatever and then you know no we could use a nurse so I became the Thursday volunteer nurse and then they suckered me into (laughs) taking the administrative assistant job and I ended up getting pregnant which I didn't expect but Um, the biggest blessing in all of it is that I have always been so intentional about the women in my life and really hooking, like grabbing on to the women that I want to model my life after and who are, um, good examples and following the Lord. And my daughter is surrounded by a a huge group of women. I mean, we have the most, we have amazing volunteers that come in and they all love my daughter. And now look, I, I know you think she looks up to them, but the truth is, <laughs> Karenette looks up to her because they know she's going to run it one day. <laughs> right. She already has started running it. She, she really has. You, she's you the can't boss. understand all the words she says, but she is in charge. Yeah. Oh, and she's amazing. But it's so much fun. And it's is. it's been a neat thing to watch her grow up there. Yeah. And, Literally, she was just a couple months old when I finally gave in. I was like, okay, I will come be the admin assistant, but I don't know what that looks like. You yeah. know, it's, I don't know that I can swing full time in an infant. And um, it's everyone's auntie, auntie yeah. something. And so all the aunties have, oof, um, um, really right. emotional right now, but all the aunties have surrounded my life and um basically i feel like help me raise joy well and, while we're recording this she's with one of the aunties. yes auntie tata it used to be tay tay but 
Joyce started calling her Tata, but she's out in the car sitting with my daughter and Teresa just went to Missouri with me so I could speak at a women's conference. That's so cool. And she took care of Joy and, you know, that Joy and Teresa are like twins. I mean, they're like two peas in a pod, but. They're amazing. Um, she is literally, um, Teresa right now in this very moment is helping me and ministering to me in my life by taking care of my daughter. And I have zero um, worries. Yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> because these women at CareNet are the most, some of the most incredible women I've ever met in my life. And that is what God has given me and how he has um, turned this all into the the biggest blessing of my life. And, and if it weren't for my little girl... I wouldn't be at CareNet. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today. Don't blame her for this. And so, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, that's just, for me, that is the biggest comfort because that's how she lives on. And, And I say, like, if I can be an encouragement to any woman who's had loss or at CareNet, a woman who's facing a pregnancy decision or had an abortion in her past, I am able to do that because... My daughter went home to be with the Lord, and her life still impacts her mother to this day in allowing me to be able to do that. So everything I do is because of my precious little girl, and that is a huge blessing. And so I cannot wait to see her and to see the impact that her precious life, which her her breaths lasted for an hour and a half, and to me, if God can use a precious little one whose breaths last for an hour and a half to to make such an impact, and he did, there's story after story I could tell of of um, people who were impacted by her by the pregnancy and everything, and then her birth. Um, that's God, and I'm thankful for my precious little girl who's with him this moment. That's good. Yeah. And here we are with all the aunties and Uncle Matthew. That's right. I was afraid I was going to become Auntie Matthew if I hung around around any longer, but that would cause people to talk. Brittany, is there any other story you'd like to tell? Anything else you want to share today? I I don't think so. Um, It's always a joy when you come into CareNet with your Crocs and your jokes. There you go. (laughs) We love our Uncle Matthew and we... I do want to say we appreciate everything you do. And you, something I very much appreciate is when you, when you look us in the face and it's like, is there anything you need? Like you are so genuine about that. And I can tell, are you guys okay? What, you know, well, the so. truth is, cause I know <laughs> there wouldn't be a universe I could do any of your <laughs> jobs you know? <laughs> because you guys are frontline, man. I wish I'm, if you're Dixon local and you don't know about CareNet, yeah. you need to let us have that conversation with you. Either mm-hmm. of us will do that. Uh, we'd, we'd mm-hmm. love to talk uh, to you or your church, your business about, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to turn this just into a CareNet commercial, but here it goes. Let's do it. Let's uh, do it. It's just cool because there's probably no issue that is more politicized and hot than anything connected to pro-life, mm-hmm. women's health, reproductive care. Um, and what I love about CareNet is intentionally from day one and consistently every day, it is how do we love people and help people? Yes. We're not fighting the culture wars. Right. We're not 
bombing abortion clinics. We're not, no. you know, we're just, how can we help people? And how yeah. cool is that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the love that I, I see it firsthand, I get to see how the staff at CareNet treats the women who walk through our doors and help them. And it's an honor and a privilege to see that. And that's what we're all about. We we want to be that for the community. And just wherever you are and whatever your circumstance, we don't care. How can we help you? How can we love you and um, support you? Um, and, you know, I'll just, I'll just say this real quickly. Uh, I was talking to a client yesterday, um, and she mentioned that I was actually talking about um, getting some banquet testimonies, which we have our fundraising banquet coming up yeah. if you'd like to support CareNet. Just throw that little yeah, well, commercial. I like it. Um, but um, just gathering some client testimonies. And um, she said, I would love to share about, you know, how CareNet has helped me. I want you all to know that my baby is 10 months old and I have not had to buy one diaper mm-hmm. for my baby because of the Mary program and being able to use my baby bucks. Mary programs this class program we yes. offer. And so you take these you take these classes all for free. All of our services are free. You take these classes and you, in turn, get bucks to spend in our client room, um, which has everything from car seats to strollers to baby clothes. Um, and it, all of everything we do is from donations. So we have incredible things in this client room where they can spend their bucks there. Or we also have Loretta's Open Door, which is our secondhand boutique. They can also spend their bucks in the boutique. And, and, and shop in the boutique. Anyone, yes, people from all over coming to Loritas to to um, get some really great things at Loritas: women's clothing, children's clothing, shoes, books, jewelry, purses. You name it, we got it. Um, but that's just a testimony yeah. to what you know CareNet has done to help that that one. Um, it's so cool. Precious client. And so it's so amazing. Um, and we would love for you to come check us out yeah. and see um, what God is doing through CareNet to help our community and help families in need. And it's an incredible thing to be a part of. I feel so still, it's just mind blowing to me that I'm there with everyone and I get to see um, what he does through some of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. It's, Sometimes it's I think it's just proof of God's sense of humor that a middle-aged white dude gets to help <laughs> with a pregnancy center, you know, but it, it's just so cool. Um, come take a tour. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll get you shown around. And Uncle Matthew has come to do our training, staff training. What was it exactly called? It was called uh, some, some strategic planning. strategic planning, which was amazing. And so... You're always trying to keep us, keep us afloat, keep us skimming. Man, I do feel like we owe an apology to someone, though. Oh, no. What? That's whoever has to be the episode after this point, because (laughs) your story is so good and so God-honoring. Oh, Uh, thank you. Well, friends, thank you so much for spending some time with us today, for listening to the show. Um, It is amazing the way that God writes in Mm -hmm. our lives and our stories, and if uh, if God were to write a book, you know, besides the big one he already wrote, uh, if you were the editor of it, you would you would cross out lines because you'd say that's just not realistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's how God likes to work with unrealistic, unimaginable love and kindness, even in the darkest of times. Yeah. 
So I hope this has been an encouragement. Uh, And until next time, uh, we'll see what God gets up to in your story. Thanks for listening to Rough Drafts. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, help us spread the word by leaving a rating and review. Until next time, let's keep looking for how God writes His love into our stories.